All right. Well, praise the Lord. Can we all just say that together? Praise the Lord. It's been a great week of camp. We're thankful we've been able to finish this week out, be here this week, and we're thankful we can even meet together like this, all together. We're not split up. You know, I was really, I was really actually wondering if anybody was down in the cove. I was really wondering if they weren't out at the dock somewhere riding the jet skis or the boats or something. So now at least I know for sure we're all here. All right, and by the second, we're able to see the screen a little better. So wonderful. So today I did something that I don't know if it's been done before here at IRBC. I went to the snack shop and I ordered myself a Twipper. Anybody else did a Twipper this week? I got a Twister and a Chipper. Huh? Anybody else done that this week? Or is it just, oh, several of you. All right. Trying to get as many sugar calories as possible before I left today. So thank you to the craft shop, the snack shop, the bookstore, all the different places. We got, look, look up there, we got the staff up there. Thank you to the kitchen staff the sound room staff, thank you to the program guys, uh, Phil and Dave and Greg and Tom and James and Jason and George and I'm just saying names now. I, I, I assume there's guys out there doing something with those names. So it was a blessing to meet the, the program guys as well, the, the, the deans, Nick and James and Cole their wives, well, not Cole's wife, but the other ones, their wives, and uh, of course, Jason Blunk, great working with you guys this week. Matt, Matt standing over here, did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Uh, thank you to everybody that made it happen. And one last time, I want you to point at your counselor and say, you, 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 you. Yes. Just a weird way of saying thank you to your counselor pointing them out. I hope, that you, I hope that you've bought them at least one thing in the snack shop this week or done something for them. And, you know, if you haven't yet, then you at least give them a dollar or something for their work, you know. You know, a penny an hour for the week, that's not bad, I guess. But thank you, counselors, for all you've done as well. And it's been a blessing just to walk around the campsite and see you talking with your campers. Campers, you know, you've got to know that they love you. And it's not just for the money, I can tell you that. They love you because they care about your soul, and they care about eternity, and they care about God, and they care about Jesus Christ. And that is what camp is all about. We're getting you ready for life, and we're getting you ready for eternity, which is more important than any, any sum of money possible out there. So, all right, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Deuterometry, Deuteronomy, our fifth book of the Pentateuch as we know it, the first five books, as you're turning there, let me do just a, a little bit of a review. It's written by Moses, again, about 3,500 years ago. It's actually a book that means review, so we're going to do a little review tonight, so it fits with how we're finishing this evening. 
Deuteronomy is actually a review or an expansion of the original laws that God gave the Israelites at Mount Sinai. Remember that? He came down to the mountain. There was that big, huge storm, thunder, lightning, smoke, earthquake, all this fearful stuff because God is holy. And he comes down and he gives Moses those Ten Commandments. We know that he wanted to come down and have a relationship with the Israelites in a special way. And to do that, he was going to come down and have them build a tabernacle, a tent, a special place where he would be with them. But it was going to be intense. You know, God is not our homie. Jesus is not our good little buddy or our boyfriend. God is not, our, is not the man upstairs. When God shows up in the Old Testament to the Israelites, it's intense. His holiness, it's, it's fantastically good, but it's also dangerous. It's deadly dangerous. And so he has them build that that temple there or that uh, tabernacle there, that tent there, and, the, and it resides where? In the middle of where all the Israelites are. They're all, they're all lined up perfectly, but the, the, the tent, the tabernacle where God is in his special presence, right in the middle. When they move to a different place, the Ark of the Covenant goes out first, symbolizing let God lead. He was going to lead them wherever they were going. And so Leviticus is all about set, uh, helping them understand how can you exist when a holy God is around? There's a lot of things you're going to have to be aware of and think about and do if God's going to be in your presence in this special way. And so Leviticus gives all those details. And of course, we know right in the middle of Leviticus is a special day called what? The Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, when Aaron, the high priest, would come and he would have two goats, and one would be killed and sacrificed to cover the blood, to cover the sins of the nation. The other one would be that scapegoat that would be led out into the wilderness and left there, and he would die or be killed as a way of saying uh, Israel's sins would be removed. And so the Israelites, they... they uh, they figure all this out. They're trying to do all this, but they refuse. They come to the promised land, and they refuse to trust God. They refuse to obey God and enter the promised land. Why? Because they sent 10 spies in there, remember? 10 were bad, and two were good. But they came back, and they gave a report. The two that were good said, hey, we can do this. God is on our side. God is all-powerful. If he can get us out of Egypt, if he can part the Red Sea, he can do this as well. And they believed God. But the ten bad spies said, not a chance. We're going to be obliterated. We're like grasshoppers compared to those monsters in there. And so the people of Israel say we're not going, and so God allows this, but... Their disobedience causes them to wander in the wilderness for 40 long years. And that's what the book of Numbers is all about, showing us all the tragedy that happens. Everybody who was 20 years and older ended up dying in the wilderness. All of the complaining and the rebelling and the murmuring and the sinning that happened, tragedy upon tragedy. 
And we see how a holy God cannot put up with sin and how truly bad sin is because it's an attack on God himself. But of course, we also see his grace and God provides a way of salvation and God protects them and God continues to provide them provide for them and and now as we come to the book of Deuteronomy they've come to the end of those 40 years of wandering they're ready to go into the promised land and Moses is here giving them a final word before they enter the promised land and so as we come to the end of camp this is like our final word as we finish out camp this week. And a lot of what Moses says to the Israelites is a great challenge for us as well. So give us the next slide, if you would, please. Uh, Fellas, we'll do the flyby. Moses gives three speeches. There's three sections to the book of Deuteronomy. He gives three speeches. One is in a very somber tone. That's the first 11 chapters. Then he reviews those laws and those commands that God had given them. And actually in chapter 17, verse 17, Moses says this is a copy of the law. So it's the second giving of the law. And then the third speech he gives them is very serious, and he talks about the importance of choosing life or death. What's what's going to be your choice? Israelites, as you go into the promised land, as you go forward, and, and as God leads you, are you going to choose life or are you going to choose death? So let's look at these. Throw up the next slide for us, if you would, please. The somber tone, the first 11 chapters, it highlights Israel's rebellion and resistance. Moses reminds them all that they had been through. He says, you guys, you guys need to be different than your parents. Your parents did not believe God. Your parents did not trust God. They did not take God at his promise. You guys now need to be different than your parents. Now, we know that being in the wilderness for 40 years, we didn't have all these people so far that Moses was talking to. They were, what? They were 60 years and younger. And they had seen some pretty powerful signs of how God deals with sin. And so Moses reminds them of all that and says, y'all be different. Don't follow what your parents did. You saw what happened with all that. And he reminds them of the Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you can turn over there, if you would, please. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is a very famous, familiar passage, even for Jews to this day, and it's an important prayer that is prayed in Judaism twice a day, even to this day, and it emphasizes their exclusive commitment to the one true God, and that's what Moses was calling these Israelites to commit to, the one true God. And can I just say that to you guys as campers tonight? You've had a great week. You've heard God, God's Word preached in the mornings and the evenings. You've had your counselors encourage you. You've had devotions. You've had uh, visits and talks with your counselors. But now it's up to you as you go home tomorrow, as you get to your friends tomorrow and next week, as you go off to school in about a month or so. Commit to the one true God. This is your chance to show your commitment to the one true God. And for the Israelites, for the Israelites, they were about to go into a land that did not follow the one true God. In fact, there were many false gods 
There were many idols. These were people that worshipped everything else but the one true God. And so, and so Moses makes it clear, listen, it's not going to be easy. You're going to see all kind of religions. You're going to see all kind of idols. You're going to see all kind of false gods. But you, you commit to the one true God. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he uses a couple of words here in these first 11 chapters that are very important. The one is the word listen. Listen. And that word listen means to respond to God's grace by obeying the laws of the covenant. Not just hear them, but obey. When your parents say to you, listen to me. When your counselors say to you, you guys need to listen to me. I can tell you as a parent, they're not just saying, hear the sound coming out of my mouth. They're saying, I want you to do what I'm telling you to do. And that's what Moses is telling the Israelites. Listen to God. Listen to these commands and let that listening translate into obedience. But he also says to love God. If you look in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, 5, 6, and 7, verses 5, 6, Moses is saying, you need to love God with all your heart and soul and mind. And actually, he's talking to the parents at this time, and he's saying, parents, you need to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and show your kids how to do that as well. You be the example, pass it on to your kids. And Moses' point with all this is that love is the true motivation for obeying the laws. Don't just do it just because God says so or just because Moses was saying so. Do it because you love God. Grow in your love for God. You won't obey without love and you don't truly love if you don't obey. Let me say that again in case some of you are taking notes. Hint, hint, wink, wink, get your pen or pencil out. You won't obey without love, and you don't truly love if you don't obey. That's how our relationship with God and Jesus Christ works, and that's what God wants. God doesn't want us just to be robots doing things just because we're told to. He wants us to, to obey Him because we love Him. There's a tight connection between love and obedience. Listen obey God and love Him. And, and God wants more than just robotic obedience. He wants a heart that is following Him and loving Him and doing what He says because of a loving heart. Moses says if they do listen to God and love Him, they will fulfill their calling to be a testimony of the wisdom and the justice of God to the people of the promised land. They would become a blessing to them by pointing them to God. Israel had a chance to go into a land that did not know about the one true God, that did not follow the one true God. And the way they would love and listen and obey the one true God would be an example to the rest of the world. Here's what life is all about. This is your chance. And I echo those words to you guys as campers tonight. You have a chance as you go into your life next week, as you go back to your school, as you go back to your athletic teams, as you're back into your academic clubs that you have, that you're involved in, as you're around your friends, 
you have a chance to show them, here's what God, the one true God, asks of mankind, to listen to God and to love him with all your heart. That's your chance. And Moses is telling the Israelites this as they go into this land. Then we go to the next uh, chapter or the next uh, speech that Moses is talking about, the laws and the commands, chapters 12 to 26. Moses is repeating and expanding on the laws. He's talking about worshiping God. Uh, There's the leadership structure. There's the social justice. He warns Israel of the consequences of obedience and the consequences of disobedience. Write this down, obedience equals blessing, disobedience equals cursing, conflict, and problems. That's a principle that was true for the Israelites, but it's also true for you and for me tonight. Disobedience will bring problems. It will bring stress. It will bring conflict. It will bring God's judgment. In Israel's case, Moses says you will have famine and plagues. You will be in exile. You will be taken into slavery by other countries if you live by disobedience. If you obey, God will bless you. And so I say that to you tonight as well. Moses says that to us tonight. Obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings problems, conflict, stress, issues in your life. Are you struggling in your life right now? Does your life seem hard? Does it seem like things aren't going well for you? You let Let me just lovingly submit to you this evening that if that's the case for you, you might want to take a good hard look and say, you know what, am I being obedient? Is my life characterized by obedience to God? I, not, not that you're perfect, not that you're doing everything exactly right, but is your life characterized by following what you know you should be doing according to God's Word? Is your life characterized by that? And if it's not, change. Not that everything's going to be perfect and easy just because you live for God and just because you obey Him, but we also know that the way of the transgressor is hard. It's difficult. The third uh, speech that Moses gives us is chapters 27 to 34. He comes to the end and he he talks about life and death. And he says, choose life. Choose life. Choose to live for God. But even as Moses is giving this final speech, this is his final speech. Here's here's Moses. you got to remember, Moses was found in the bulrushes. He was found by the Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in the palace. He he saw the burning bush. He led the Israelites out. He experienced all the, the ten plagues. He parted the Red Sea. He got to see all those miracles. And now Moses has come all the way to the end of his life to the very end of his time, and he's talking to the Israelites one He had been through it with them. He had been through, he'd he'd seen the valleys, he'd seen the mountaintops, he'd been through it, and he's giving, he's he's just, he's bearing his heart to them as they look at at going into the promised land. And Moses bears his heart to them in this way. He says, I want you to choose life. You know that's the right thing, but... If you read the very end of Moses' final speech, he knows, 
He knows after 40 years with these people, after 40 years in the wilderness with these people, that they are not going to obey. When it comes right down to it, they are going to struggle. And they're going to follow that same cycle. Now, you would think he'd be a little more positive, right? You'd think he'd be a little more positive. It'd be like me saying, you know what? Go and serve God. Go live for Jesus, you guys. But I know you're not going to on Monday. Sorry. But you know what? The truth of the matter is we are going to struggle at times, aren't we? And just because you come to camp, and just because you make decisions here at camp, and just because you even trust Christ as your Savior here at camp, doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect starting Monday in your life. It doesn't mean you're not going to have temptation when you go back to school in about a month or a month and a half. It doesn't mean you're going you're to be perfect in all your ways. You're going to struggle. You're going to fall. You're going to have to repent and seek God's forgiveness. You're going to have to get help. You can't do it by yourself. Don't think you can do it by yourself. By the way, that's why you've got to be connected to a strong church. Talk to your counselor. If you're not connected to a church already, I know you heard about that this week from Pastor James. Be connected to a church. Get help in that regard. Link up with some other Christians. Get in some groups with other Christians at your school. Your Christian friends say, you know what? We need to help each other. Let's help each other with this. So Moses says, hey, you know what? Um, I want you guys to choose what's right and do what's right, but I know it's going to be a, a struggle. Um, and he, he really, at the very end, he really hits on the, on the problem, the real problem, and that is their heart. And it's not unique to Israel. He, it ties Israel all the way back to, the, to humanity's story in the Garden of Eden. There's rebellion right there. Then there's the curse. They're banished from the Garden. It's a window into the universal condition of mankind. We're all sinners. We all will struggle with sin. And somehow, Moses says, somehow on the other side of Israel being punished for their sin and going through exile, somehow on the other side, God promises to transform their hearts so they can truly listen and truly love God. And it's a foreshadow, again, of Jesus Christ coming to this earth, living a perfect life, dying a substitutionary death on that cross, being raised again the third day from the grave so that we can have victory, so that we can have a new heart, so that we can be given a heart that loves God, truly loves God, and listens to Him. So the final chapters of Deuteronomy, Joshua is appointed the new leader, Moses takes the entire copy of the law, puts it in the Ark of the Covenant, and then he hikes up the mountain, and he looks out over the promised land. God at least allows him to see the promised land, and he dies there on that mountain, and Deuteronomy comes to an end. So if we can summarize Deuteronomy just like we've summarized the rest of the books, these first five books, it's this right here. Write it down again. Write it down again. Life is all about God. Can we say it with the hand motion one more time? Life is all about God. 
It's about his plans. It's about his laws. Moses was reminding the Israelites, hey, as you go into the promised land, it's all about God. God's given you these laws. Let me remind you again. Let me review these with you again. Here I go. I'm going to put them in the Ark of the Covenant. I'm going to put them in a special place so that you always have a copy of these. It's all about him. Keep him at the center. Keep him out front. Moses is telling the Israelites, you be committed to God. What God says is wrong is wrong. What God says is right is right. Let God define what is right and what is wrong. And that let that be how you live your life each day. So if I could, if I could put it this way, life being all about God, this is, this is what you should be saying as you go forward and leave camp tomorrow and just go out into your life. God's rules for life are my rules for life. Can you write that down? If, if, God, if, if your life is going to be all about God, then this is what you will say. This is what you will think. God's rules for my life will be, my, or God's rules for life will be my rules for my life. That's going to be my commitment. Number two, sin is bad. Sin is really, really, really bad. Sin will take you farther than you want to go keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay every time. Every time. Sin is bad because it attacks God. Sin is bad because it brings God's judgment. It separates you from God. It always has consequences. Don't ever fall to the lies of sin that you can somehow be the exception. You're not the exception. Number three, where sin was great, God's grace was greater. Some references to write down, if you would. Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. Romans 5, 20 and 21, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's what I want you to say about this one. When I sin, I know that God in his grace always stands ready to forgive me because of Jesus Christ. Don't leave camp without getting a grip on that truth. Because you're going to sin. You're going to struggle. Some of you are going to struggle big time in your life. But when I sin, I know that God in His grace always stands ready to forgive me because of Jesus Christ. And then lastly tonight, God has a plan for mankind, and it's Jesus. God has a plan for mankind, and it's Jesus. From the very first sin in the Garden of Eden, mankind was plunged into a serious problem. We have a serious problem. You have a serious problem tonight because of what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. You've got a serious problem. It's called sin. Romans chapter 5, 12 to 14, jot that reference down. Romans 5, 12 to 14, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Listen, there's no one 
with the exception here tonight, every camper, every guy, every girl, every counselor, every staff member, we are all sinners. If you sit here tonight, you are a sinner. That's a big deal. There are, you know there's some people that don't think they're sinners? I hope no one thinks that here tonight because we're all sinners. Again, we have to define what a sinner is and define what sin is according to God. And God says all have sinned. So death spread to all men because all sins, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. This is Romans chapter 5. The Apostle Paul is writing these words. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. We were plunged into a problem, but God provided a way of salvation. You don't make your own way of salvation. You don't save yourself. You're a sinner sitting here tonight, but God has made a way of salvation. He has a plan for you, every single one of you. And it's Jesus. It's through Jesus. Romans 5, 19, for as by one man, Adam, disobedience, for, as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Because Jesus obeyed and went to the cross willingly and was the final sacrifice for sin, because of that, we can have righteousness if we trust in him as our Savior. You, you're, you're sitting here as a sinner. You need a Savior. No one could save you, but God sent Jesus. Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the one that can solve your problem if you sit here tonight. Through his obedience, if you turn and you look to him, like the Israelites were to look to that bronze serpent to save them from those fiery snake bites, we look to Jesus. He's lifted up on that cross. The Bible says God will save us, Romans 6, 4, and he saves us for a reason. He saves us in order that we too might walk in newness of life. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. We're saved to live for God, not to gain our salvation, but to show people around us that we have been saved, that God has provided a way of salvation for us, and they should think and consider and make that decision as well for their life. That's why he saved us. And so when we talk about God having a plan for mankind in Jesus Christ, this is what I want you to think. I need Jesus for salvation, and I need Jesus to grow spiritually. See, the gospel isn't just to get saved. It's not just the door that gets you into the room of Christianity. It's the air you breathe in the room. It's not just the gate as you come into the campgrounds. 
and now I'm done. No, the gospel is that, but it's also all of the facilities, and it's all of the air that we breathe on. We need everything. We don't just need the gospel for salvation. We need it for spiritual growth as well, because we can't save ourselves in our own strength. We can't grow spiritually in our own strength. It'll never happen. You're going to be really discouraged, or if you think you're doing, you're going to be really proud. And either way, God doesn't get the glory. So when we look at these four main points that we have summarized, let me just close by saying this. When we live by these four life-changing truths, if you will choose to live by these four life-changing truths, you will live a life that is the most blessed, the most satisfying, the most fulfilling, the most happy life possible. And God will get the most glory that is due Him. It's not about us at the end of the day. Yes, we'll be blessed. Yes, we'll be satisfied. Yes, we'll be fulfilled because we're doing what God wants us to do with our lives. But ultimately, when we live that way, God gets the glory. And that's why we should want to live that way. Don't go back to your classes. Don't go back to your schools. Don't go back to your athletics or your clubs or whatever else you're involved in at your home. Don't, don't go back to your friends to show off how spiritual you are. You're going back to show off how great God is and what God has done, especially in Jesus Christ in helping you. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, and we're thankful for this week. We're thankful that we can be here at camp. God, we praise you that you have kept and, and protected all of the campers. We praise you for all the activities. We praise you for all the organization that has gone into this week. God, thank you for this place. Thank you for what it stands for. Thank you that we have freedom to speak out and talk about God and challenge campers with the truth of the gospel, what God wants for our lives. And God, as we close this night, we're thankful that we can even be out here in the open air. Thank you for the nice weather that we can be out here. God, it comes from you. You're the one that did this. We thank you for all that, but God, we also thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for his death on the cross. We thank you that it gives us purpose in this life and that you give eternal life as well. And God, I pray now for each of these campers as they go off, they finish out this week, God, that, that some of this truth would just be burned into their mind and they would choose life, that they would choose you, that they would choose Jesus Christ, that they would choose to live for you, bring glory to you with their life. God, I also pray if there's any campers here tonight that have still not made that decision to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, God, that they would understand the importance of that decision. God, may they, may they get serious about that tonight even with their counselor, that they would just sit down and make that decision, decision that will affect them for all eternity. God, please, please convict them. Please draw them to yourself, I just ask. You've done it for so many, and I ask you would do it for every camper in this campground that has not yet made that decision. Please, I plead, God, please do that tonight. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.